welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Today, I am privileged to be with us. Probably the guest that goes down in our history as being interviewed the most. Because every year, we end up going to this wonderful convention called Shore Leave that takes place in Baltimore, Maryland, just outside. And um, and we talk about the conventions, the things that this convention brings. And each year, we try to take a little bit of a, uh, a spin on it. Each year, we try to take a different spin on it. Uh, and, and this year, again, we have returning with us. Mike Schilling, who is the head of media and publicity for Shore Leave. And this is what Hello, Shore... everyone. Yeah. So welcome, Mike. Well, thank you very much. I'm very, very happy to be joining you guys in the Sci-Fi Diner once again this year. It, it's something I look forward to every year. I've always enjoyed it very much. This is the sixth year, Mike, that we have done this. Already? I think so. This is our six years. We've... We passed the six-year mark podcasting in February, and you were one of our very first interviews that we did, somewhere around episode 20. We're at like episode 260-some now. Where does the time go? Huh? I know. It just kind of breezes by. But as I was just saying, you know, we've had you on at least six times. Well, I must be doing something right. You keep asking me back. Oh, we keep, <laughs> we, we keep, we keep having you back, that's for sure. Well, it's great to have you back on. Uh how have things been going? What's been going on in your world? I mean, I know the convention's gearing up. We'll talk about that in a little bit. What have you been delving into in the world of science fiction? Hmm. What have I been personally been doing or as far as my uh, position with, uh, with Stad and Shorely? Well, let's, let's deal with the first one. What have you personally been into regarding science fiction right now? Well, having a, a family and everything sometimes greatly reduces your ability to spend as much time into it as, as one once did when one was <laughs> yeah. younger. Um, time just never seems to be there, to be honest. But I can assure you that the, the things that I've loved, uh, the people that I care about down through the years, um, the, the organization uh, that I belong to, um, the you know overall fandom experience, uh, means as much to me now, and I care every bit as much now as I did 20, 25 years ago or more when I first started to attend these events. But as far as you know, personal time to attend different uh, festivities and such, that is sometimes difficult. I've been married for 11 years now and have a seven-year-old son who I'm just starting to show the, you know, the world of, of science fiction and fantasy and see you know, how well he adapts to it and everything kind of indoctrinate him, one might say, much to the chagrin of my long-suffering wife. Um, <laughs> but I'm showing him the world of science fiction and seeing what he may or may not like and everything. And that brings me a great deal of joy and a great deal of pleasure. Um, but, yeah, basically I still care for, you know, very much for the same things I always have. I've always been a, a dyed-in-the-wool Star Trek aficionado, particularly the classic series. Um, and also, uh, now nobody, um, get angry at me, but still a Star Wars guy too. You know, I don't prefer it over Star Trek or anything. I just, you know, love it very much too. I always tell people that Star Trek is my favorite fandom. It's what I, you know, am personally involved in and what I put the most, uh, finance and the most of myself into. But the Star Wars films, especially the first one, A New Hope, is still my all-time favorite movie. So, um... I, I rarely have the opportunity to watch many of the newer 
science fiction fantasy series as much as I'd love to, but I can never seem to honestly to find the time. But but I still have a, a great interest in it and a, a great deal of excitement about it. I try to keep up with what's happening out there and talk to other people um, with you know what's currently hot out there and everything just to try to keep abreast of things. Um, so that that's basically um, what I do in, in that regard. That and just um, you know being a husband and father and trying to find time for for everything and um, just you know enjoy what I do for for a living. You know, and there you go, and the time just just flies by. But no matter what challenges one might face in in one's life, uh, all the various challenges that that you have to, to deal with and everything, no matter what happens, the convention goes on. The convention is always there. Yeah. It seems to be one of the the few things in one's life that stay consistent over a tremendous amount of time. Right, right. You know, it's funny. You were saying that you have a seven-year-old uh, son that you're kind of introducing to this world. I have an eight-year-old son, so not far apart in age. Oh, that's wonderful. So, um, and uh, he's been he's been begging me to take him to see Jurassic World, and I and we have I, we haven't sheltered him, but he just I, I'm worried. He he wants to see it because of the dinosaurs, obviously, but. Well, He's but that magic age. Yeah, but but let me tell you, those movies scare the bejesus out of me. You know, as an adult, at different points, and so I've like I said before, we watched Jurassic World. I want to show you the original one, and actually walk, you know, sit down with him and make sure that he's okay through it. We began to do that, but we've been I've been steering him more toward like the animated classics, like. Um, the, the animated Marvel Avengers, the animated uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, some of that stuff. So, Right, you want to see, you know, what he, you know, is drawn to and, and what he isn't. Some things he's going to have an interest in and some things not. I've noticed that children of that age um, tend to run in, in cycles with what they enjoy. Yes. Certain kinds of TV shows they'll become very passionate about for a series of months. And then they'll kind of get away from it and then find something else. And as you par- as a parent, you find yourself being begged for this collectible and that collectible because they've pretty much forgotten about everything you collected before. Now they want something totally different. Like my son uh, skipped from a long period of time where everything was Godzilla. And then he sort of discovered Batman. And now he wants all these Batman things and everything. So it's it's been a, a back and forth thing, you see. And yeah. maybe in another three four months, he'll find some totally different. For example, he hasn't really discovered Superman yet, and I'm not going to push it on him. I'm sure he'll discover it on his own. Right. But it's good to know that when he asks, I've got a lot of that material already here that I can show him. So um, you know, being a sci-fi kind of a guy, you know, all these ears and everything, I have this collection of films and everything and various memorabilia so when he says all right i can show you this that and the other tell me what you think you know and when you have a a son that age and they they really enjoy a lot of things you love you you know it does kind of get you right there in the heart you don't want to force anything they don't want on them but you have to admit it does make you feel good that they enjoy a lot of things you always loved when when you were little it isn't necessarily science fiction per se, but I can remember when my Nicholas was maybe, ooh, I don't know, maybe three, four years old, and I told him about Speed Racer, one of my all-time favorite characters. 
all right? I've got two or three, you know, different Mach 5s, you know, laying around the house, omelets, <laughs> things like that. And he just adored it right away. And I'm going, yeah, my kind of guy, speed <laughs> racer kind of guy. So, you know, there you go. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Let me tell you, it's one of the more pleasant things about being a father. So. Well, and it, it's such a nice, it's such a neat way to connect with your, with your child. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes, there's the sports angle and everything, and we've, we've got that too. But science fiction and fantasy and, and genre and, and movies and TV series and all the things that have come before. And I always try to tell him, not to get too much off subject or anything, but I always try to tell him about what came before. I don't try to tell him, well, this is what's hot in the last five years. I want to try to show him some older stuff too, you know? Like, for example, my son also loves horror a great deal. He even likes a lot of zombie pictures, and for whatever reason, uh, a lot of those pictures don't really bother him at his age. You know, they would really send me over the edge if I were watching what he's watching back then. But, right. But anyway, it just doesn't seem to bother him. I guess it's a generation difference. But I also say, hey, movies are not always like this. There was a time when you had to use a lot more imagination. Let me show you some of the old black and white classics and let me know what you think. You know, I've shown him some of the original Wolfman, and one of the first comedy horror films he ever watched was the classic Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And he just laughed and laughed and laughed, just <laughs> like I always have. And that's a great experience that we, we share together. And I know that's not in any way related to Shore Leave or, or science fiction. But again, it's a, it's a connecting thing. Oh, yeah, You find definitely. something that uh, brings you both a great deal of pleasure, and you don't have to worry about the content you know, being objectionable for, for their age. So it's important that they understand what came before, you know, to be able to compare it to, to what they have today and everything. Well, you know, I like this idea. I like this idea of connecting it to what comes before. Surely, as we've mentioned over the years is loosely, the name is loosely based on this idea that came about in the original series episode 15 of season one, where they talked about, uh, it was just titled Shorely, written by Theodore Sturgeon. And right, um, Theodore Sturgeon. Yeah, so, and so he wrote this episode called Shorely, and then Shorely said, well, when, when we had That's the convention. That's what we're based on. You're, you're based on this episode. Uh, do you, why, let me, I guess the question is, why? What, what, what about that episode said, well, this convention is kind well, of like this? Well, Scott, that's a very interesting question, and perhaps I'm not the best authority for this because, sad it is to say, I wasn't there at the very beginning when the convention was getting its name. So a lot of what I have, I have told you is hearsay and things I have heard from other you know, more experienced committee members who were there at the very beginning or near the very beginning. And the idea was when the, the name was picked out from the classic uh, Star Trek episode, like you said, written by Theodore Sturgeon and still a fan favorite down to this day, I can't help but think back to what uh, Spock said uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, it was where the planet was compared to an amusement park. And one of the fellow um, members there, I don't know if it was Captain Kirk or what, but one of the other people there said, amusement park, what's that? And Mr. Spock said, a place where people could go and see all sorts of fascinating things. I believe that's sort of a paraphrase of what Mr. Spock said. And that is how I've always described what Shore Leave is. 
you know, where you can go and see all kinds of fascinating things. Um, one, one of the elements I'm extremely proud about at, at Shore Leave is there are just so many different things to do. Different kinds of fans come for different kinds of experiences. A lot of that's based on what came before. A lot of that's based on just what simply makes somebody happy. Some folks come to the convention to, to meet all our guest stars and to stand in autograph lines and meet them and shake their hand and maybe have a photo op with them or something like that. So you have that media exposure, media guests. That's what they do. Other folks are far more literary. They enjoy the, the writers. <laughs> Let me tell you, Shore Leave is becoming seemingly more and more of a literary convention every year. This was never intended. It's just that so many writers have come and have had such a good time at Shore Leave that it seems like every year, you know, like the old commercial said, they told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on and so on. So every year, more writers want to come. You know, so folks will come and, and meet our writer guests and, and get them to sign the books and buy the books and listen to, you know, listen to, to various readings, but, you know, or go to their workshops where you can learn about how to be a professional writer. Other folks are into the whole gaming aspect of it, you know, or the cosplay. They'll go to the, the whole uh, thing where they'll go into this gaming room and literally stay there for 72 hours. I'll walk by and they're always in there, you know? And that's what they really enjoy. I say more power to them. Other folks may not have the opportunity to see the latest in fan films. Not necessarily just the well-known groups like the Farragut or Star Trek Continues or Star Trek Phase 2, New Voyages, whatever they've changed their name to now. They'll come to these special rooms where we got these films running and everything. You know, many a time, that's how I've been able to be introduced to this wonderful world of the uh, fan-made films that are being made today. So, and the upcoming Axnar production that there's been so much great talk about and everything. So that's another element of it. Then you've got the people who hang out in the memorabilia rooms, right? And they're doing something else there, and they're looking for something they haven't seen in years. They're looking for a bargain, or the folks who love science fiction and fantasy artwork. You've got the art show going on. You've got all these panels where like-minded fans get together. This is one of my favorite parts of the convention. Sit down, and they have these really passionate, heated discussions about all these different elements of Star Trek, Star Wars, science fiction, fantasy, the latest movies, TV shows, comics, what have you. That's going on all weekend long. And as a guy like me who loves to talk and is very opinionated, as you know, that's one of my favorite parts, too. And this is just, you know, one small part of the things that are going on. So in a very roundabout way, that's how I describe, you know, what our, you know, our viewpoint is towards the name Shore Leave because it's, it's a place where people can go and literally have an overabundance of choices. I try to tell new people... Um, who perhaps haven't come to our convention before, say the first thing you need to do is get yourself a pocket program, grab a pen, find a quiet corner somewhere, and just start circling everything you'd be interested in for the whole weekend. And you are going to find yourself very quickly wishing that there were three or four of you because <laughs> that you could somehow immediately clone yourself and split yourself into several locations because there's always several things going on, especially on Saturday. All weekend, really, but especially on Saturday. There might be 12, 14 tracks going on at the same time. And you're going to have to make some very hard choices about the things that you want to do. So I tell folks, if you go in there 
and you're curious about what a convention is and you can't find something that you're going to like, then I'll know what to tell you because <laughs> we try to have a little something for, for everybody. And that's uh, something that I'm extremely proud of. It's something I feel that Shoreleave has always done extremely well considering our very modest resources and our very modest size, you know, up against these huge national and regional conventions that are so close to our, you know, our time of the year and everything, where you have the huge creation Las Vegas Grand Slam or the San Diego Comic-Con and all that this time of the year. And, you know, considering what our competition is, not only have we survived, but we seemingly grow a little bit every year as our, our reputation continues to grow on a used to be just along the east coast of the United States, and now it's all over. So that is something to be very proud about for a little, you know, for a little tiny organization in Baltimore. So anyway, I hope that was a good answer. No, it, Perhaps it, a bit it, on the long side. It is. It is. No, you know, I think, yeah. I think, you know, it, we can push that out even further. I mean, for many people it, when coming to Shoreleave, not only with what Shoreleave has to offer and it's, as you said, in the words of Spock, the diversity of amusements that exist there, there the diversity of things to see and witness. Um, people make this, in some cases, their vacation, the vacation that they take a year. And, you know, that short- is absolutely true, Scott. I hear it all the time. People literally will wait to find out what our weekend is to create their plans for the summer. And I'm not just making that up to pat myself on the back or anything. This is this is very much true. So when the convention moves, that kind of changes things around for a lot of people. We literally moved a couple of years ago because we knew we were going up against the San Diego Comic-Con. And we knew that we couldn't draw many of our attendees and most of our guests that way. So we moved to August. After being in the middle of July for more than 30 years, it was a bit of a shock to the system. Um but so it has been difficult for for some, but um, just to put it out there and everything. But um, it actually is on our website now. As a matter of fact, it was posted a few days ago. But for surely 38, the 50th anniversary year, and I'm already counting down for our 50th anniversary because I'm just you know dreaming of the things that we can accomplish for next year. It's going to be a very special special time for so many of us. We are moving back to July. Ooh. Um, not. Not the precise same weekend as last as we had before. Uh, I think it's uh, everybody needs to look at the web the website www.shore-leave.com, but it is on there under the news tab. It's like July 15 through 17, 2016. So that way, the idea is to no longer be right up against the Creation Grand Slam and not be up against the San Diego Comic Con either. Right. So we're moving back, literally back to our own neighborhood. Right. So uh, I think that's what we get a lot of people like, excited too. So we knew that if we moved further into August, then you have the problem with children going back to school and everything. Right. So we couldn't really move much further in that direction. But uh, the consensus was that there was any way possible to move back to July. And I couldn't really say anything until it was official, but it just went up on our website a few days ago. Yep. So July 2016, not that, you know, we're not looking forward to this year. Of course we are. But the 50th anniversary convention will be here before you know it next July. Yeah, we will. Now, you, you're you calling this the 50th, right? Right. It'll be our 38th convention, but it is, after all, 
Star Trek's 50th anniversary year. Okay, so 50. Uh, of the time that it, it hit the air, September yeah. 8, 1966. And right. To me, it'll be like a year-long celebration. Outside <laughs> of the film that's being prepared, I don't know what else uh, Paramount Pictures or its uh, corporate you know, subsidiaries have planned for that year. But it's... Um, it's something that's been counted down for quite some time. There's a lot of history and a lot of friendship and a lot of enjoyment built up. And I just, however, I regret that so many of our dear friends in the Star Trek universe uh, won't be able to, to join us. We just lost Leonard Nimoy. Uh, we just lost Grace Lee Whitney not too long ago. Um, some other names, Harv Bennett, so very important to the longevity of the Star Trek franchise. Um, you know, and folks like that, a couple of the, you know, the writers and the directors of the classic series, they are, you know, we had that health scare with Michelle Nichols. We're very thankful and grateful that she appears to be all right and is having a very quick recovery, you know, and she's as strong, as feisty, and as wonderful as ever. So we're very happy to hear that. But so many of our friends, as time goes on, are leaving us. And um, so it's all the more important to, to cherish the ones who are still in the Star Trek fold after all these years. No, no, no. It's definitely, definitely true. Um, well, let's let's go let's go into a little bit about what Shore Leave, especially this year, is offering people as they come out the first weekend of August to kind of experience the the variety that Shore Leave has to offer and to 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 offer a place where people can connect but also kind of experience. You mean in terms of who our major guest stars are this year? Yeah, why don't we go? Why don't we head that direction? All right. Well, Truly 37 is going to be August 7th, 8th, and 9th at the Hunt Valley Inn. It is no longer a Marriott Hotel. It is a Wyndham affiliate. And they can so still, and by the way, they can, they, 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 now. they can still pre-register for this, right? Yes, up through July 15th. I believe everything cuts off July 15th, and uh, tickets are selling quite well, but we're not like the last couple of years, like when William Shatner came, and the whole day sold out well ahead of time. So it isn't you know, going that well. So there are still spots available, but I wouldn't wait to the last moment if I were you. Right. Folks who show up, you know, literally an hour before program begins on Saturday morning sometimes have a rough go of it. So, yes, if at all possible, try to pre-register before July 15th. And if not, I'm sure that single-day tickets are, are available, or as we call them, memberships, you know, available at the door. Uh, but that's August 7th, 8th, and 9th. Um, you had mentioned about the variety of uh, programming and everything, and I think that's a great way to describe our guest star list for this year. A, a great variety, a very eclectic mix of folks from all different kinds of science fiction fantasy, sh fantasy shows that have been popular over the last several years. Um, the number one name, the one that's drawing the most buzz in fandom and has a great many people in fandom very excited right now, is a young gentleman by the name of John Barrowman, um, who is known very, very much in the community for his roles as Captain Jack in uh, Doctor Who. And he's also appeared in Arrow and Torchwood and several other shows. When it was announced that he was coming, there was like an, an immediate explosion of, of activity on Facebook and Twitter. So I think this might be his you know, first such appearance at any kind of convention like this in this part of the country, at least that I'm immediately aware of anyway. Right, right. So we're getting a lot of excitement about having John Barrowman here. 
What's All really right. what's really cool about that, Mike, is last year we brought in his counterpart in Torchwood, Eve Miles. And so <laughs> and we got to hear her and her delightful conversations, put it that way, yeah. uh, about her very, shenanigans. Very charming lady, very lovely, yeah. and very, very sharp-witted. Oh, yes. Uh, I wasn't there for her entire talk, but I do know that she blew everybody away. The, uh, the audience has just adored her. It was one of the... Let me tell you, Mike, in my experience of short leave, and we've had, and there have been many great guests. She was probably, she ranks up there as being one of the, one of the people that if you get a chance to listen to, you really should, because she's just entertaining and tons of stories about John Bowerman. And I'm sure he's going to dish it right back. Absolutely. And we're very much looking forward to it. Yeah. I just not to get too much off subject, but one People often ask me some of my favorite memories of short leave, and having gone to nearly 30 years of these things, there are so many that I can't possibly break down right now. But in thinking about Leonard Nimoy, it was such a tremendous thrill to see his Skype appearance last year. Oh, yes. I mean, we knew that he was in health. We knew he was frail. You know, we, we knew that he, you know, he had to stay at home. He couldn't travel anymore. We knew this, but we didn't really suspect that this would be the last chance we'd ever have to see him. Um, you know, it, it all happens. He slid downhill so quickly. And, you know, what a crushing blow for all of us in, in fandom. I mean, we've lost so many of our dear friends of late, like I said before. But the fact that we had a chance to see him just last year by Skype, you know, was, was such a joy. And for all those who were in the room at the time, it's something that as fans I don't think we'll really ever forget. Um, but one thing we really enjoy, what we tried to do in Truly, and I got to give all the credit to our guest relations department and our, our con chairs, other members of our committee, is that we might not always get the biggest guest names in the world, although we sure do try. We may not always get them, but what we try to do is get the best guests, the best people guests. We want guests who love talking to the fans. We want guests who will sign autographs and will have their pictures taken with the fans. We want folks who aren't uh, surrounded by, uh, you know, a whole group of 20 security guards. You know, we, we want guests who are willing to, to walk out there and just be one of the folks out there to eat in the restaurant, you know, with a couple other family members and who might help, like, judge a costume contest, things like that. We're always on the lookout for the guests that are the nicest, that have the best reputations in fandom. And Eve Miles fits right into that. Um, now, as far as some of the other guests that we have this year, um, let's see here. We have eight major names that I see right here. We have quite a interesting group from the current Sci-Fi Channel hit, Defiance. Yeah, it just, we did, have Jay just, just premiered last night. Right, the new the new season premiere, and I hear a lot of you know really wonderful things about it. We've got three guest stars from that one show. Not that now they have been many other things, but they all appear on Major Roles and Defiance. We have Jamie Murray, uh, we have Tony Curran, and we have Jesse Rath. Now Jamie Murray has also been in shows like Warehouse 13 and Dexter. Tony has been in other shows like Doctor Who, Sons of Anarchy, and. LXG. Jesse Rath has also been in Being Human. There's been a lot of talk about that. That's a very well-regarded show. 18 to Life, Aaron Stone. So we have three who literally could, could talk together and share all kinds of stories from Defiance. And These are the kind of actors who have been in so many different science fiction fantasy shows that, um, that 
our attendees will be able to ask them any number of questions about their experiences on all these different TV shows and movies they've been in. So there should never be any lack of material to talk about when they join us. A recent addition to our guest list this year is the lovely actress Rika Sharma. I sure hope I pronounced that name right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but uh, Miss Sharma, uh, best known for her roles in the remake of Battlestar Galactica. She was also in The 100 and also in Smallville and V as well. So she just recently added in the last month, month and a half, to our guest list, so Rika Sharma. Uh, we also got Aaron Ashmore, okay? Um, Aaron Ashmore, who's been in Warehouse 13, Smallville, Lost Girl, okay? For a while, we had his brother, Sean, as well, but he had another acting commitment, so regrettably, he, he wasn't able to join us this year. But Aaron is still set to go, and we have a couple more. David Nickel uh, from Stargate Atlantis and also from Arrow, so another Arrow alum to talk about right there, and um, hasn't joined us for many, many years, but it's going to be wonderful to see him again, Daniel Davis. Other folks call him Danny Davis. Um, he was, of course, Moriarty in several episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation back all those years ago. And although it's certainly not a science fiction show, uh, he was the butler in the, the Nanny, the famous comedy show from some years ago. Right. So those are our eight names right there. And like I said before, it's quite an interesting mix of all different kinds of actors from different kinds of shows that I'm sure will be wonderful guests. And they'll all be available for uh, autographs during the course of the weekend. You know, the, of course, uh, that doesn't even include all those writers that I mentioned about before. The list gets bigger every year. And, of course, we have scientists joining us from the Hubble Institute and other scientific organizations locally to talk about the latest scientific discoveries. Um, we also have a really great guest artist, too, by the name of, uh, I believe his name is Mike McPhail, I believe. Um, let's see. I think he's uh, known for the Defending the Future series. Okay, he's a author and a graphic artist as well, so they'll be our artist guest of honor. So if you let me keep going, I'll go on and on. Right. But that's the, the top-of-the-line guests right there. Sometimes I wonder there might be more guests than there are attendees sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, the top-of-the-line guests, we, we had a chance, not through any convention, but just to chat with David Nickel. He was doing a... Um, Lake Ogabo. I see. I'm going to mispronounce the name of the movie, but uh, it was kind of like the Canadian version of the Loch Ness monster. And they, uh, there's a legend apparently. And he was helping a friend do a movie, and we were chatting with him about that, but also about his work in Star Stargate. And wow, I can definitely vouch for being a fan friendly guest, someone that's willing to just hey take any question you're going to give them, and uh, and really listen. And um, and again, like you mentioned, this is one of the things that that I think Shoreleave does real well is bring guests who sit at the tables, who will sign hours on end, but but also in, in slower times, take times to have pretty nice conversations with with guests, that, with, with people that are with attendees and, you know. Absolutely, Scott. And a lot of that is the timing. I mean, yes, some guests whose time are extremely tight, they can stay at their table. <laughs> Occasionally you have one, yes, where they get up on stage and they'll sign for an hour or two at very specific times. And pretty much due to their itinerary and their lack of available time, you know, not anything to do with their personality. That's just how it is sometimes. But the vast majority of the guests are at their table for the course of the weekend. Yes, there are times when there are long lines and you may not have much chance. 
But to my knowledge, there's nobody there to say, move along, here, move along, move along. You know, if you want to have a question for them, you know, and, and all that, if you want to speak to them for a moment, especially if the line's not that long. It's been my experience that the vast majority, in almost every case, as a matter of fact, these guests are, are perfectly willing to, to do that. And it, it's something that makes you, you feel really good. It allows you to connect with folks. I mean, when you run across movie stars, you know, you sort of have that, and maybe this is a vestige of, of the way Hollywood used to be 50 and 100 years ago, where they're, they're like above us and we can't possibly relate to them with all the money and the glamour and all. Television stars are a little bit different. We, they come into our homes. We feel more comfortable in approaching them most of the time. And so you have that opportunity at a convention like Shore Leaf that you may not get pretty much anywhere else, really. And if I'm wrong, please let me know, where you can actually um, relate to them as people and find out about their families and what else they've been in and what's important to them, what charities are they involved in and what projects are coming up. These things are, are important. And, of course, some some guests are more talkative than others, I grant you. Sometimes some of them take a little bit you know, of a while to, to warm up on stage, and some just jump right into it, you know. But that's just the, the difference in, in personalities. But um, it's, it's a fun thing. One thing I always like to tell folks about a, a fan-run convention such as ours, of our size, of a very modest size, is that, yes, there's enough of a crowd to have a buzz. There's enough of a crowd where you can feel the, the energy and the enthusiasm around you. And, yes, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to get through some of the main rooms and everything. We understand that. You know? But on the other hand, it's not so big that it becomes like a mob mentality, you know, where you can still somehow find a quiet corner, find a quiet area. You can run across someone that you haven't seen for a long time and just sit down and, and talk to them, you know. You never want to get so busy at an event such as this that you use, the, you know, that you lose the, the human element of it, you know. And so you have the, the size for for the sense of energy and everything, but it's not so large that you can't shake somebody's hand or, or talk to them or meet up with a friend at a local restaurant or a tavern or what have you and just shoot the breeze, so to speak. And that's something that, you know, again, that's a very special element of a convention such as ours. I mean, I don't mean to disparage any of our, our colleagues in the professional convention community. Absolutely not. We have the deepest respect for what they're able to do, you know, with the resources that they have. But we're, we're just different than that. We're, we know we're not in competition with Comic Cons and Creation Grand Slams and everything. We can't possibly be. We can't have 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people filling up a convention center. We're not built for it. We don't have the resources. But with what we do have, we, we're very, very proud of what we're able to accomplish and how with so many other well-regarded conventions that have been around a long, long time, folding up their tents and calling it quits after many years, not only is Shorely still surviving, but it somehow manages to grow in a very finite space. There have been those down through the years who have said, let's move to a larger hotel. You know, we could sell more tickets. We could afford uh, larger, more expensive guests and everything if we move to a, a larger hotel, say, in Baltimore City or down in Washington, D.C. or Crystal City. But the overall consensus has been, let's stay in our, in our second homes, the, the Hunt Valley Inn, where we've been through all this year. This is what people know. This is the tradition 
of fandom for this region of the country. This is what people come to expect. And so inevitably, you know, we always wind up coming back to our old home. Out of 37 conventions, 35 have been at the Hunt Valley Inn, believe it or not. Every single one except the first one and number eight, to my knowledge. So we've, we've always been there. And we can only fit, you know, by policy of the fire department, 1,500 memberships at any one time. So you know, we're not exactly the same size as those other conventions. But right. um, for those 1,500, we try to give them the best, the best time we possibly can. Sorry that I've gone a bit off the subject. That's there. fine. I think that well, I think it's still, I think it's still relevant. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think like one of the things that you, that you mentioned is it is you, you bring in some. I mean, these are the shows that we're bringing guests in from are, are fairly well known, and um, people really connect to these shows. Certainly, the 100 Battlestar Galactica, certainly Doctor Who, and Arrow, and certainly Defiance. And Warehouse 13. I mean, these are shows that that people are well known, and so that, that they are going to come for this. But the but one of the things like I know that I've appreciated from shortly over the past years has been connecting with people like you um, that you only see really at this one convention, and it, um, it's it's and it's just a it's just a way for like minded people or people that have similar interests to get together, hang out, enjoy the guests that they bring, but also enjoy discussions, catching up, and finding out just about life. I think that's great. Absolutely. Very, Um, very true. uh, There is another local convention, of course, that comes every uh, February to our immediate area, not necessarily to the same hotel and everything. But, yeah, a lot of the um, folks who come every year, they only really get the chance to see each other at these gatherings, maybe a few times a year at most, especially if it's folks who are coming from other states who have to literally travel hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles to get to the convention, it might be a once a year thing. So it becomes very important to a lot of people to not only attend, but to set aside a certain section of the weekend saying, we are going out, we're going to this restaurant, and, you know, and then we'll come back to the convention later and everything. Again, that, that human connection, which is all part of the fandom experience. Of course you don't want to miss anything. I understand that. And it's sometimes very hard to actually do that. That's why some folks will come into the convention hotel a day or two early or stay a day or two later just for the sake of doing that before right. they go back home. Right. So well, as we, and as we said earlier, this is, again, for some people, their their vacation, and they just they want to make the most of it, and that, that totally makes sense. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier, Mike, something I just wanted to touch back on if we can. You mentioned, and I noticed it's too, that Shore Leave has begun to draw, it's always had a decent-sized author gathering, but it seems that each year it brings in more authors. Absolutely. In, in your opinion... And again, maybe there's no justification at all for this, but what what about Shore Leave is drawing all these authors to this one convention? Well, uh, I wish I could take the credit for it, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the very beginning, the very first couple of years of Shore Leave, we've always had a very much a soft spot in our hearts uh, for those who write uh, for, for Star Trek and other forms of science fiction. Um, going back as early as Shore Leave 2 and 3, before I ever had ever heard of Shore Leave, 
Uh, there were authors like Robert Greenberger and Howard Weinstein and everything who joined us, and with very, very few exceptions over the last 35 years have always been there for us. And it's something that we're, we're very, very happy and very proud of. But that's where it all started, the old Howie and Bob show, as we always called it, usually taking place on Sunday morning with those two together. And, of course, Mr. Weinstein with his beloved dogs and everything. Used to have mail order Annie, that very you know special Welsh corgi, all those years ago and everything, making friends with all the attendees and everything. And of course, now he writes books about dogs too and dog care and everything. It's something he's always been very passionate about, you know. And they bring their families, and their their families grow up, you know, and and grow older, you know, under the watchful eye of the convention every year because they come every year. Again, you've got that that sense of family and that continuity and everything. But anyway, over the course of time, and I couldn't give you years and dates and everything, but bit by bit, they told their friends, they started showing up, and then a few more would come the next year, and so on and so on and so on. And they soon came to realize that they're not just, you know, there to, to talk about what they've done and everything, but they know that this is um, not necessarily a literary convention. It isn't really built that way. But surely the attendees tend to be also science fiction readers in most cases, and they know that they're going to be able to get a few books sold and meet some fans. You know, and it's a nice three-day party with a couple thousand of your closest friends. How can you beat it, right? Yeah, in the, it's very in the company true. of wonderful people and a lot of people that you know, know both personally and professionally. And so they, they come to this, this weekend, and they, they meet people, and they sign books for for fans, they give readings of their work, you know, if the schedule allows and everything, you know, and uh, some of them will give, uh, take part in workshops where they can teach others who wish to become writers what it takes to be a professional, how to get an agent, how to develop a story, how to fine tune a story, how to sell it, all that sort of thing, you know, and so bit by bit, more and more came every year. So, um, again, that's, it started from very, very humble beginnings with our first couple of writer guests in the very first shore leave. We had, you know, one or two writers who would write for, you know, your younger, you know, listeners on the podcast might know, not know what this is, but there used to be a thing called zines long before there was a long line of phantom and pocketbooks, you know, books coming out every single month, you know, Star Trek stories appeared in these zines that, that folks would write and literally would publish themselves and put them out there and might sell a few hundred copies, you know. And that's how that, that great grassroots campaign of Star Trek fact, you know, fiction really grew. And so, you know, the idea of having writers at Shirley is certainly not a new idea, but in the last 10, 15 years or so, it's really exploded. So sometimes we have a hard time finding space for all of them. But if they, you know, want to come and then have a good time and everything and tell folks about what they've written, then, you know, more power to them. But, um, but yeah, word just got out in the writing community, and it's a quite a close-knit community, obviously, um, you know, that our reputation grew, and so they all want to come out every summer. Well, you know, and they also do such a nice job of, you know, being a place where aspiring writers can come and hear them talk about the challenges, the the things that they need, people need to think about as they look at writing their own novels, and uh, they provide a lot of these sessions through some of the panels that Shore Leave offers and serves up. 
Um, and each year as I walk through like the dealer's room and other places, you see people that are new and aspiring writers that are selling maybe their first book. And I think this has also become a place for this, um, especially as, you know, publishing your own work has in a sense become even easier. Absolutely. It's like the, one of our um, programming um, choices I've mentioned earlier in this talk was uh, the fan film programming tra track. I think it's officially called the uh, Surely Alternative Film Track now uh, because it's not like just fan films anymore because the technology has come to the point where uh, folks who've got a little bit of time and a little bit of resources and a whole lot of imagination and preferably a lot of good friends who, who care about it as much as you do can go out and shoot a film that looks just about as good as anything that's being put on TV or in the theaters now because the computer technology for the effects and everything have, has risen to that level. You know, So folks are really starting to do this. And all throughout uh, Star Trek history, Whenever the old saying, the powers that be, whenever the powers that be have denied us a fresh fix of Star Trek, what have fans always done? They've made their own. This is nothing new. This goes back to the days of the zines and everything, or just shooting something in the basement or something with cardboard sets. And then as the technology became more readily available and you could get better and better equipment for a lower and lower price, the production started looking better and better all the time. So for those who have been on the fence about it, either in writing or filmmaking or one of the other arts in creating something, you know, just uh, artistry or anything in general, any kind of uh, thing that you may wish to create out of your own love and your own imagination, such a thing like that can be nurtured in a way in an environment such as this because there are so many people there who have fought that fight and come through it and have become successful. So you can also, you know, create a lot of contact that way too. Because like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, you know, yes, there are a great many who come and they want those autographs and they want to meet the guest stars and all that, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But there are a great many things to, to choose from. So that is just another element of it right there. Yeah. Um, I find myself wishing that I had more time to, you know, to sit in on more of the uh, brighter talks and some more of the science talks and everything, because all of it is so interesting, but there are only just so many hours in the day. And oh yeah, you got to find to eat somewhere too. Right, right. <laughs> well, I guess that's not optional, is it? And there are plenty of places to eat around uh, where shore leave happens as well. Um, well, you know, I, I think I think everything you're saying is dead on there. Uh, it's also been the place where I know that people have hooked up with some of these fan projects and say, hey, I want to be a part of this, either financially or I want to, you know, help you out. They bring some skill to the table, whether it be script writing and the technology end or the acting end. And many of these fan films have found avid supporters at these pl at places like Shoreleave. And so I think that's very cool. Um, right. I mean, I remember just last year I had um, seen for the first time at Shore Leave the um, – I'm sure you've seen it online because it's been all over the place – this uh, piece of a film they developed called Prelude to Axanar. Yes. And I found out about that last year. I saw it last year at Shore Leave. It blew me away. People were all asking in the Q&A afterwards, how can we get involved? How can we kick in money to help 
turning this into a feature and everything. And that's how we found out about the Kickstarter program. And, you know, and oh, there's also the folks from the USS Farragut. They're local. They shoot fairly local to us. They're always there, you know, telling folks about what they're working on and what they need and what help they might need. I mean, the new voyage is phase two, folks. They're more based out of New York City, so they have a little bit of a further ways to go. But they've been known to come down. In fact, I didn't mention this before, but some organizations, you know, various fan groups, either writers or filmmakers, will premiere their efforts at Shore Leave. They will deliberately time the release to put it out at Shore Leave. You can find out more about this on the website and everything. This is a fairly common thing about the last 10 years with our writers, where the official book launches will be at Shore Leave. And I have heard in the past, in the last 10, 15 years, various filmmaking groups will bring literally just finished version or a work print that's almost finished to Shore Leave to show it because they know they're going to have a big, enthusiastic, intelligent audience to watch it and offer their comments. And again, this is an opportunity for them to, you know, to interact with a couple of thousand fans who really want to see it. So again, that's something else to, to be proud of as well. Well, we need a, we do need to wind this down here a little bit as far as time goes. But before we go, what, tell me a little bit. We we mentioned the dates for Shore Leave are what seventh, eighth, and the ninth of August. Is that correct? Right, August seventh, eighth, ninth at the Hunt Valley Inn, which is Wyndham now. And, uh, and and for someone that says, you know, what, what, what you guys are talking about really appeals to what I'm uh, what I enjoy. I want to be a part of this. Um, where can they go to register to get that pre-registration deal before July 15th? OK, well, the best thing they can possibly do is uh, get on our official website, www.shoreleave.com, S-H-O-R-E dash l-e-a-v-e dot com and as the time draws nearer and nearer there will be more and more posts up there on the news you know because when the schedule is ready that'll all be up there any changes in the guest roster any additions any subtractions any of the latest things that have just come up they'll be posted on there we also have our own facebook page we have our own twitter feed that's probably the best way to go and one of the links on the far left side of the main page is registration uh, we are accepting new registrations up through July 15th, I believe. All right. Now, as of right now, none of the individual days are sold out. So if you don't want to go for a single day or anything, uh, there should be um, memberships available at the door. Generally, they are, are $5 more, you know, at the door the day of the um, the day of the event. But if you're going to come, especially on Saturday, please don't wait till 5 of 10. You know, get right. in line early so you can get all your paperwork filled out and get your badge and get all your goodies. So you can find that corner I was talking about and schedule, you know, circle the things you want to do so you can set up your day so you don't risk missing out on some that you really wanted to do. So uh, we also have a information line by phone. I don't think you can register using that, but, you know, for those who don't have immediate access to, uh, to the, you know, web for such purposes, the phone number, I believe, is 410-785-7000. Let's see here. Correction, that's actually the phone number of the Wyndham Hunt Valley Inn, if you're looking to, you know, see what's happening out there. The uh, information line, there it is. I'm looking at the information now, sorry. The information line for Shore Leave is 410 701 0669. That's 
701, sorry, 0669. But the best thing to do is to go to the website, and that's the, that's the quickest way uh, right. to arrange that. Right. And there is, um, and right now it looks like, um, I assume, I'm not sure if this is pre-reg or not, but is it $90 for the weekend? Well, let's see here. And looking at a pre-registration, the adult weekend membership is 90 uh, let's see. Friday only for adults is 40. Saturday only is 65. That includes all day, including the Saturday night, you know, the masquerade and the 10 forward dance afterwards. Sunday only is 45. Uh, let's see. For teens, it's 55. Children 5 to 12 is 20. Children under 5 are free with a paying adult. Okay. And uh, I believe, although I don't see it here, in the past we had a thing where for those who show up just for Saturday night, and believe it or not, there are those who who do do this, who you don't see them all day long. They just tend to show up, you know, at about dinner time on Saturday because they want to see the masquerade at 8 on Saturday night and take part in the Big Ten Forward Dance right after that, 10 until the wee small hours of the morning. That's a that's a separate price if you just want to do those uh, two things. I don't see it on here. But right. in the last several years, we have had that. Right. And, of course, like I said before, I think it's $5 more uh, at the door. Right. But, yeah, that is the uh, price range. But for those prices, like I said before, you do get an awful you lot of You do get a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to see and a lot to do. I know in other years, Dave, uh, with Richard Dean Anderson, with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, um, They've they've charged extra for sessions. Is anything like that going on this year? I'm sorry, could you charge extra for what? Scott? Like like so, I got into the convention and I could see Shatner maybe getting an autograph line with him, but to hear him speak, there was like an extra charge. Is there anything like uh, that going on for any of the sessions? That has happened in the past, but in looking at the uh, our main sheet today, I don't see anything about extra charges yeah. for their talk. I haven't, I haven't. I know I, that happened with William Shatner and I know that happened with uh, Richard Dean Anderson right. and everything. It was no extra, I believe, for Leonard Nimoy's uh, Skype last year. But uh, no, no, there's no extra. Now, for those who are getting photo ops, you know, with our guest stars, either individuals or in combinations, yes, it is an extra charge and oh, yeah. that has to be arranged at the time of registration. But no, I don't see any kind of specific surcharges on a specific uh, actor's uh, talk this year. Good okay. question. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. I know that, you know, people as they plan and, uh, you know, evaluate their finances, they want to consider all the options. And if they're listening here, they, you know, just to give them the most, the most information we can, I guess. Um, well, well, Mike, it's been great once again sitting down here this year chatting with you about shortly what we have to look forward to this year and some of the things are coming up. Did we miss anything in our conversation? <laughs> I'm sure that right after I hang up, I'll think of 10 or 15 things. That's that's just like <laughs> But just to, to reiterate, for those of you out there who've not been to Shirley before, who don't really understand the, the convention business, if, if you love science fiction, if you love fantasy, or if you just love meeting, you know, love the idea of meeting like-minded people who enjoy a lot of the same things you do, you may have had trouble, you know, meeting, you know, folks like that who have similar interests at your work or something like that, as has happened to so many of us. Just come out one day. Come out one day and just take a look around for a couple hours. I almost guarantee you, you're going to find a lot of fun things to do, and you might make some long, you know, lifelong friends doing it, because that's the story that many, many thousands of folks could tell you down through the years. Just give it a chance. 
and and surely it's just so many things. It is autographs. It is meeting people. It is you know learning about artistic things and things happening in the world and and just all kinds of different things going on. There's all kinds of charity you know events going on and there's a Red Cross blood drive. There's special children's programming. Just the little ones. We have a brand new teen programming track that's really taking off. That's doing well. Um, you know you have the the film showing the panel discussions. You know, all, all that's going on. So, so many different things. So just give it a try. But, uh, yeah, for all those who are more curious, please check out the, the website because all the information is on there. And the posts are going to come fast and furious, let me tell you, as we draw ever closer to the convention. Well, Mike, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us about Shorely this year. Look forward to seeing you in about seven weeks. Very much looking forward to it, Scott. It's always always great talking to you guys there at the, the Sci-Fi Diner. I, I wouldn't miss it. And likewise.